push a P. Yeah, push a P. Turn me up. Turn me up, P. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger from PewterReport.com, and Scott Reynolds is here with me on a Monday, and the draft, Scott, it's getting closer, 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 and the discussions are ramping up between the Pewter Report staff. Who is this team going to select? What positions are they going to be interested in? It's all up in the air. You tried to clarify it as best you could within the most recent PeterReport.com seven-round mock drafts. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the defensive backfield of this team and what we can expect in this draft, if anything, from the box in terms of drafting corners, safeties, et cetera. And we're also going to get into our running back evaluations a little bit of this class. You and I have watched a lot of these guys. We see a lot of Bucks fits. We're going to talk through who we like, who we don't like, and how much we like them. Running so. backs. I'm all about it, John. You know that. That's true. Your flow's coming out, dude. You got like yeah. your hair's getting longer. What is this? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's um, it's like a, a little bit of like a Blaine Gabbard inspiration. You know, <laughs> got got the mullet coming back a little bit. So, is that what he? Is that what it's? It's that was inspired. It once they re-signed him, you were like, okay, not getting a haircut I, again. I, I'm all in. You know, that, I mean, that's the thing. So, I have to be. Blaine train all aboard. That's right. Uh, today's show, Scott, is going to be a fun one because we once you and I get into draft mode like completely, which you know you've been in for probably longer than me this year because uh, yeah. all the other stuff going on with right. our content, obviously. But <laughs> yes. now that I feel like I am kind of fully engaged in draft mode a little bit, we always have some good discussions about these prospects, yeah. and I know that the seven round mock draft was. You've got we went back and forth with this one, especially oh boy, like yes. what you wanted to do, what positions you wanted yeah. to address. And I think you and I can, especially now that some of the running backs are back in the fold. And you know, if Gronkowski were to make a decision or Sewer to make a decision, right. we would probably and, and come back, we would probably look at this draft and say this might be the hardest Bucks mock yeah. to like figure out. Last year wasn't as hard because yeah, they were only they, there was only a couple positions that they even could have right. legitimately fit someone onto the roster at. That's how yeah. ridiculous it was at other positions. Well, and, and also we too, knew it was going to be an edge defender. We thought, yeah, it was, we knew year. that we nailed the first two picks, yeah. which it's hard to do. It really is yeah. because when you're especially talking about thirty-two, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. We're talking about like a late first-round pick, especially. But you know, people think, oh, well, the, the Bucks' best bets. It's like you guys are just you're picking two players at a position. That's kind of easy. It really isn't because there's a lot of strategy that goes into this. Because yeah. if if we pick. Like let's say if we pick a defensive tackle in the uh, in, in the rounds one through three, right, and and they end up picking somebody on on, on day three, um, it, you know, or for example, if we pick the wrong guy right yeah. early, then they're not going to pick one later. So it it's it's we a fun challenge. Yeah. What we're trying to do is like, hey, these are guys that we feel based upon our scouting and based upon our our uh, our sources, our intel. These are the guys that that are the, the Buccaneers right. targets, the guys that fit what the Buccaneers want to do. And every once in a while, they throw us a curveball, right? We didn't see mm-hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn coming. Nope. And 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 maybe <laughs> maybe we are right about that. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but but there's been others, right? MJ Stewart, who was drafted mm-hmm. ahead of Carlton Davis in the yep. second round. You knew they needed a cornerback back in 2018, but but uh, Carlton Davis made sense. But MJ Stewart. A lot of people had him as a fourth or fifth round pick. They drafted him in the second round. So, you know, Jason Light, the Bucks front office, John, they're not bulletproof when it comes to bad decisions. No. They've made some. But what we try to do with our mock draft is is really just kind of put the names out there that we feel that could be Buccaneer targets, Buccaneer interests, and and really familiarize Buccaneer fans with with those players. Right. And that's the key to all of this is trying to get as close to being right about as many as we can. And at the end of the day, we're not going to get wrong. Right. And there's been years we didn't get aim. Right. I think uh, the years I've been here with you, I think we've gotten at least something. Um, but last year is a good one, obviously. And this year it'll be really tough. Um, it's it's already testing us. And so we'll cram as much as we can and try and figure out as much as we can leading up to the draft. But we are still this seventh round mock draft is that we just most recently did is really, I mean, the, the penultimate one, right? I mean, there's going to be right. one more right before the draft that'll be kind of our official mock draft, and that yeah. will include some of our Bucks best bets. But our yeah. Bucks best bets yeah. will also be rolling out for people who don't remember or have, are new to Pewter Report. What we'll have is starting next Monday, so a week from mm-hmm. today, we'll have the first Bucks best bets 
drop. And so what that'll be is it'll be basically of a, a positional preview of kind of you'll see where the Bucks are currently at. Let's say it'll be quarterbacks on Monday. Right. So where they're at at quarterback and, and, uh, on the roster right now, what we can expect going into the draft. Then there'll be basically lists of I think we've got 15 quarterbacks on there now and it'll yeah. give you just a paragraph on each of these players give you a little snapshot of them height weight 40s all that kind of stuff for a lot of the top quarterbacks in the class and then at the end of that there'll be a buck's best bet for rounds one through three and right. rounds four through seven so basically we give you an early draft and a late draft best bet as to if the bucks took a quarterback which we right. don't expect them to really at all especially early but if the bucks took a quarterback who would be the most likely quarterback that they would take yeah. in the first three rounds of the draft and then in the last mm -hmm. four rounds of the draft? We give you two names at right. each position. So 24 total players make the Bucks' best bets list. Yeah. Wait, yeah. is that right? Because how many position groups? Oh, we have 11, there? actually, because we do centers oh, and guards together. Okay. So we have 11, yeah. Oh, we do centers 22. and guards together. So we make it yeah. even harder for ourselves. Yeah, Not this well, year because yeah. <laughs> obviously it won't be a center, but right. yeah, okay. Well, right, and John, the, so 22 the reason, players. Right. The reason why we do this, again, is because sometimes the team throws us curveballs. We actually had, back in 2013, we had Mike Lennon as a Bucks best bet at quarterback. And they, the team had Josh Freeman. Mike and Lennon. they were – they, yeah, exactly. They were sorry. not expected. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> they were not expected to draft a quarterback, but yet they did. So that's why we do this exercises is just in case the team wants to go in a different direction than the mm -hmm. quote unquote experts like ourselves and draft prognosticators don't really foresee them taking. We have some of those bases covered, you know, and then some years, you know, we we luck out or maybe maybe we could just get really good intel and 20. Gosh, when was it? 20. Um. Josh Freeman year? Yeah, 2009. We had Freeman, yeah. and we nailed both of the Bucks' best bets. They doubled up on wide receiver. We had Aurelius Ben from Illinois in the first pick at wide receiver, and then on the rounds four Yikes. through seven, we had Mike Williams from hmm. Syracuse. He was drafted in the fourth round. So Right. Every once in a while, we we hit a, a double header. Yeah, we're getting dangerously close to they can't, the fans not being able to pat us in the yeah. back because our hands are in the way here. But listen, we we like this stuff. This is what we're into. So yeah. let's get into this seven round mock draft a yeah. little bit, Scott, and we'll move through uh, the show progression uh, yeah. for today. But this seven round mock draft, Travis Jones right off the bat, defensive tackle. This was a, a a tough one for you. I know you went back and forth. You and I have gone back and forth yeah. about Jones. It's not really what Bruce Arians described at the combine of what right. they were looking for. I think he's in cahoots with Jason Light on that description. I think they would rather a player more similar in, in style to a Devontae Wyatt. Jones has some pass rush ability. He played uh, UConn. Obviously, they have been an awful team, but he really right. stood out even against Clemson. I know Clemson's offensive line was trash. This yeah. past year, they were they were brutally bad, and he but he tossed them around, and that's what you want to see from right. a guy playing from UConn. So there's a lot to like. I don't know how much of an explosive upfield penetrator he is. He my my biggest concern with Jones is that he think he is just pretty slow off the ball, and I'm not sure how much that gets fixed at the next level. Maybe they tweak his stance, but it does seem like there's some upside limitations to him, even though he probably comes in the NFL as a pretty solid player right away. Yeah. And I think the, the thinking on this one, and again, this is where the strategy has to come into play. This is not fantasy football. This is not Madden where you can manipulate certain things or even like a, a mock draft simulator per se. This is assuming that Devontae Wyatt is off the board, right? So that's the assumption that we made here. And really there's, there's about four defensive tackles in this draft class uh, that that I think could interest the Buccaneers. Devontae White's one of them, and and, and then I, I think the upper echelon guy. I don't think they're interested in Jordan Davis, John. I I think you'll agree with me on that. Probably mm -hmm. not an ideal Buccaneer fit. They're looking for people that can they probably have, like him, just not next to Veo. Correct. Yeah, he's kind of the same guy. That they're looking for people that can affect the quarterback and all that. And and while I understand it, that that's not really what. Travis Jones is per se. What he is, is he's another version of Indomitian Sue. And obviously Sue is kind of a Buccaneer fit, right? He's He's been a, a, a decent pass rush producer, six mm -hmm. sacks in each of the last two seasons. It's not his forte. It really is stopping the run. And what you have in this guy, 6'4", 325, 330 pounds, is just brute force. He is that type of stop the run first, help you a little bit in, in the pass rush game. And the Buccaneers, they've gotten by with using Jason Pierre-Paul inside when he was healthy as that nickel rusher, right, either next to Sue or next to Vea. But one of those defensive tackles comes out. 
And we've talked about this team could draft a player like Boye Mafe at 27, right? That was another name in, in contention there. Mm-hmm. Because even though they've drafted an edge player, John, having another big body, and this guy's 265 pounds, same size, um, not as tall, maybe not as long as as Joe Tryon Shoenka, but another guy that could kick inside in that nickel rush package because there just really isn't, there really aren't too many guys like Devontae Wyatt this year that are that ideal classic three technique, one gap penetrating pass rusher type at defensive tackle. So that was kind of the thinking there is they need a defensive tackle. Sue has not re-signed yet. They have not re-signed Steve McClendon. They're going to have to get some bodies. Even if Mm -hmm. Sue comes back, it's going to be for one year. There's still going to be an emphasis on stuffing the run in Ty Bowles' defense. Always will be. Yeah. That's where Jones can help this team. He's he's got enough quickness. It's not like this is a five-one guy. He's ran a four-nine-two at the combine. I think he's a work in progress. He might be a guy that could get you four to five sacks per season yeah. at the NFL level. This is a pick that would be everybody wants to be. We love it or we hate it. You know, this would be a pick I would be like right down the middle on. To yeah. be honest, like I, I like Travis Jones. I think he's a good player. I, I think maybe he could develop a few more moves and potentially be better. I, yeah. I don't really see him being like an impact player in terms of just like a big difference maker. He's yeah. a helpful body. He's a guy that's going to probably you know play in rotation with Golston and with other guys that you know. I think it's fine. I don't think it necessarily raises the window for this year like, yeah. like somebody that's more explosive uh, right. might. But I don't know. I, to me, Scott, this is a, a fine pick, and I could see it happening. It wouldn't stun me. Um, but I don't know if I'd like choose it to put my money on or anything like that. I, sure. That's kind of how I see it, maybe. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is is what about Perry on Winfrey, right? Because he had a good senior bowl. Uh, actually, Travis Jones had a great senior bowl and mm-hmm. and had a sack in the game. Winfrey had a couple sacks. I just haven't heard a lot of great things about him from the Bucks. He's not very good against the run. And if you yeah, remember, that's a huge concern it is. Khalil Davis was was granted he was a fifth or sixth round pick out of Nebraska, mm-hmm. but he was an undersized, quick, athletic defensive tackle, really good times and and agility uh, numbers at the combine. But the problem is, is he did not do enough stopping the run, and and it's that that I keep coming back to with Travis Jones is I think that while they'd love to have some interior pass rush help from the defensive tackle spot, they can manufacture that by kicking JTS inside or with a player like Mafe or another player. And, and, and if you remember in last uh, the last version of, of our mock draft in the third round, um, either in the third or the fourth round, I believe we had another defensive tackle. And this is another, another name to keep in mind. This is, Ioma Iorzarike from Iowa State. This is another big body, 6'5", 320 pounds, uh, pass rusher. He had nine sacks last year for Iowa State. He was he was um, the, the the Big 12 pass rusher of the year and was the second behind Jalen Petrie in terms of getting the number of votes for the Big 12 mm. player of the year. So this is a another name to keep in mind. We had him in in our mock draft version 3.0 he didn't make it in this one obviously with jones but there's just not a lot of good defensive tackles and that's that's the premise of maybe grabbing one early while you can yeah it's going to be fascinating to see what they do at defensive tackle because there aren't so few options really especially to fit what they're looking for Oh, and, Um, and john while you guys were on thursday talking about uh nikhil harry or sorry keanu neal um from um, uh, from the Dallas Cowboys, the new Buck safety. I was working on the mock draft and actually had Jaquan Brisker from Penn State in the first round until they mm-hmm. signed Neal. So that's how quickly and yeah. fluid this whole process was coming up with this mock draft. was It was about to be another safety. If you remember, we had Lewis Seen from Georgia in our version 3.0 as the first pick at number 27. And we do think it's going to be a defensive player. We've kind of narrowed it down to that. We think if Traylon Burks falls, that could be a possibility. I don't think they like a tight end or running back in, in the first round. Quarterback, same thing. You know, they obviously don't think they're going to take one of the first round tackle. No, you know. So the one, the two positions really are just guard and wide receiver. Those are the only offensive players. If, if Zion Johnson fell or if Traylon Burks fell, um, maybe right. Kenyon Green too. I don't know. We haven't heard much interest in the Bucks linking to him to them to Kenyon Green. Right. We have with Zion Johnson. So I would say if Johnson or Burks fell, 
or I don't know if you know you call it falling. I think both yeah. are projected somewhere in the 20s. So if they made right. it to 27, maybe. Uh, I don't know if they jump up for either guy. That, those could be the offensive possibilities. But we do think it'll probably be a defensive player. You mentioned yeah. uh, potentially even a safety. You took Brisker out. But then we've been talking more and more and thinking more and more. And now we're like, man, Todd Bowles, look at the history. I mean, even back to his drafts with the Jets, I mean, which he had a say in for sure. You Todd know, Bowles played safety in the he's Played safety, loves him. Drafted Jamal Adams in the first round, then right. Marcus May in the second round. It's mm-hmm. gone in the same draft. Like yep. he went back to back safety. That's right. That's right. I mean, that never happens. <laughs> and so, and obviously, it wasn't totally yeah. his call for sure, but he loved right. both of those guys. I know May was absolutely somebody he pounded the table for there. In New York, uh, Adams was kind of the, the, everybody in the, in the yeah, league loved Adams. To be honest, uh, Jason, Jason Light and the Bucks loved Jamal. Yeah, Adams. exactly. Loved everybody, yes. you know, would have drafted. So yeah. that I think he's gonna not that he's gonna have a major say in this draft, but the fact mm-hmm. that that's a position right now that the future is at least up in the air outside of Whitefield this year. Yeah. yeah, they could try it out there, but right. the future. So if they like to love the player like Lewisine, if he fell, or yeah. even potentially a brisk girl, though I think first round is too high for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see it happening. I don't. I don't yeah. think it's crazy. Even even the first round, I, I don't think it's I crazy. Agree. Well, the other thing too is remember, Jason Light has drafted some safeties early in the second round with Justin Evans at a Texas A and M. Second round with Antoine Winfield Jr. Third round with Mike Edwards. So he's he's all about the Whitehead. safety position. Yeah, Jordan Whitehead in the fourth, and and Edwards is in a contract year. Neil obviously signed for one year. And keep in mind, just from a body standpoint, right? The Buccaneers really have to replace two safeties this year. Whitehead, they've replaced with Neal. They still have a vacancy, though, at the safety spot after not bringing Andrew Adams yeah. back. So It gets tricky because you don't know if like, – are they counting on Logan Ryan and Ross Cockrell, both of them be having that positional flexibility? Right. We don't know that, so that part makes it tricky. They could be too many safeties or they could have yeah. not enough if those guys, they see them as, as true yeah. corners. It, John, it, it's, it's tricky just like which Celsius am I going to pick today, right? Uh, that's that's the thing for me today was the fuji apple pear i've got fuji a little apple. cucumber lime here i love Scott. it never I tried it. it actually it looks so good it's good I, casey hudson was saying uh, the yep. other day on the show that she really liked it yeah so. and if you notice the green label on that it's because it's made with stevia right that's that's kind of one of their different lines a different sweetener in there but um but the great thing is regardless of which celsius flavor that you choose you're going to get a couple things you're going to get a ton of flavor it's like they took apples and pears and squeezed them into this can, damn it. And and you're also going to get energy, energy galore, and you're not going to get a sugar crash because there's no sugar and there's no preservatives in these bad boys. And they're coming out with all sorts of new flavors. Yeah. John, John, we're down into Celsius. And and we have people in the chat that are talking about Arctic berry and and strawberry uh, lemonade. I haven't even tried these flavors yet, but I can't wait. Right. Um, I just was at a convenience store today, though. And I, I grabbed a couple of colas. I, you know, I've circled back around to that. I love the fruit flavors, but there you go. The Arctic Vibe Frozen Berry. Haven't tried that one yet. Can't Me wait either. to try it. Yeah, that's, but, that one sounds great. Yep. But there are a ton of flavors to choose from. The, and Tropical Vibe, Peach Vibe, you know, those were the new ones like last year. Now there's mm-hmm. even more flavors to choose from. So the best, the best thing you can do is go to celsius.com click on the store locator or click on our banner ads at peterreport.com they'll take you there and type in your address you'll see health and fitness stores grocery stores convenience stores that carry celsius near you go grab a couple flavors try them once you find the ones that you like go to amazon buy them in bulk like john and i do you save money they ship them right to your doors you never run out and and you can even get the variety pack on amazon too they've got a lot of flavors there you can try so uh, if you haven't done it, if you've been one of those people that's been curious about it, and you've seen the dozens of people, hundreds of people that have lit up our, our chat and said they've tried Celsius and they love the flavors, make today the day. Make today the day you try Celsius. Yeah, absolutely. It's great stuff, no question. Let's get to some of these questions before we yep. move on. This is one. Every Bucks, any thoughts on the Bucks drafting putter, <laughs> Matt, or Asia at any point in cutting pinion? We have laughed about this as a pewter yeah. staff because every Bucks fan basically wants this to happen, yeah. and every fan of every NFL team basically wants this to happen, except right. those of elite punters because it's a cheap and awesome punter. Jason Light so. has drafted two kickers and he's gotten yeah. crucified for it. I don't know if he's going to go there with the punter or not. On, on the this one guy's going to get drafted in like the fifth round, maybe even the fourth. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just saying like it, you ask yourself if that's what you want. It's not going to be one of those late seventh round picks the Bucks have. Yeah. Which brings me to another great question though, Scott. Yep. Is this 
Like, do you really think the Bucs are going to stay put on all their picks? No. Like their first four round picks. Do you think they will move back and try to yes. add some more picks? Yeah. There's there's something about the way Jason Light is is wired. Um, he likes to recover picks. Mm-hmm. It just from it's just it's sure. like a little mental tick or like a little you mental quirk yeah. that he likes to to say, okay, well, I traded a fifth round pick for Shaq Mason. I'd love to get that fifth back. Not mm-hmm. that exact fifth, but a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick or whatever. So yeah, I could definitely see the Buccaneers being one of those teams that that trades back or tries to trade back. The big question, and I addressed this in today's Peter Report, uh, Bucks Monday Mailbag, is I just wonder how much of an emphasis do they put on the fifth year option, right? Because you're so far back at 27 this year, you can only go back a couple spots before you're out of the first round. And then with your first selection, you don't have the luxury of that fifth year option. So Jason Light, every year, even when it was Vernon Hargraves, picked up a fifth year option. They did it with Vita Vea mm-hmm. before they signed him to an extension before his fifth year. They've done that now with Devin White, John. So I just wonder, is that is that a situation where they're they're putting so much of an emphasis on staying in the first round? And that's the case. You can only move back a couple spots. Yeah, we, we, we've never seen Jason Light trade out of the first round before, so it'll be fascinating right. to see. Well, and what if you know, maybe he doesn't trade out, maybe he trades back, or maybe it's not the first round, maybe it's the second round, maybe he trades right. back out or back in the second round. Um, you know, in because you can you know, recoup a fifth or a fourth potentially yeah. even uh, by a move like that. So it will be very much on my radar whether this team is going to move back or not as picks kind of approach at 27. It's hard for us to say, like, if they were in the top 10, absolutely, we would be saying right. they would trade back. Yeah. Like, we yes. know they'd be trying to trade back. But if at 27, it really depends how the board falls. But so we're not going to spend like a ton of time talking about it, but right. just know that it is very much on our radar. And if the draft unfolds a certain way, what you'll do is you'll hear us on our live draft show now yep. that we'll be on on that night on the first round. You'll hear us start to talk about that more and more as a possibility if options that we know are high, the bucks are high on, come start coming yep. off the board. I think the possibility would become greater greater. The other thing is who will move up, Scott, and especially Correct. in a class like this one where I doubt teams are going to really want some of the quarterbacks that are in this class, especially <laughs> if, as I expect and starting to expect, yeah. they're going to have to like hold their nose and, and pick and it. Yeah, if pick those guys go top it. 20, yeah. I don't think anybody's moving up for Sam Howell or, or Matt Coral right now. Like Correct. Corral. Like, I don't think that's yeah. happening. So, yeah. Um, All right. So, so we, you and I have talked a lot. Actually, I think I give you credit because you're the one who kind of started the buzz on, on Zion Johnson um, well over a month ago before even the combine. Right. Uh, about this guy being not just a great Buccaneer fit, but also just a fantastic Baller. offensive lineman. Just, <laughs> just a great, like the top guard, right? I agree. I think I'm higher on him than anybody. He'll probably be in my I top know. 10 player. So having said that, answer Josh's question. Scott yeah. or John, if Burks, Devontae, Wyatt, or Zion Johnson are there, and I know you love all three, I do too, uh, as the Bucks, who are you taking? Which, which one of those guys, if they're all there, are you going to take, John? So I probably, I mean, I, if you look at it just purely in the lens of best player available, Zion Johnson's going to have the highest grade for me at any of these players. Um, so I think that there's something to be said there. Now, the other part of it is the guard is the least important position right. um, of all of these positions. Um, do I think Zion is probably the safest player out of all of them? Yes, I think he's probably the safest player. Yeah. And I think he's probably going to be my highest graded player. But guard is the least important of those, those positions, and they have four quality offensive lineman if not elite offensive lineman right without adding a guard to that mix you should be able to history has shown us that offensive lines with four premium players right. should be dominant almost regardless of who the fifth offensive lineman is it really yeah. is that especially when that 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 weak link is a guard so mm-hmm. honestly even though zion is probably my favorite player in a vacuum i probably would be the last one i would pick there for the bucks if i'm thinking about a purely from a team building strategy because right. you should be able to have Hainsey or Stinney in at left guard and have an elite offensive line. Yep. Now you can obviously say you can have a elite wide receiver core and maybe that's why you don't pick Burks, but there's also the reality, a little bit of unknown with Chris Godwin and the fact that you can get when Burks is on the field, the potential for him to make an impact just in a couple plays yep. is pretty high. And the impact he could make is more of a difference in terms of winning or losing than that of what a good guard, assuming Zion, you know, good as a rookie, right. not elite right off the bat, a good guard would do as compared to a an average guard, like the, a, a wide receiver that can make explosive plays, even if he's on the field, way less than a right. guard than a starting guard is more impactful to winning numbers of shown us. So that's what would be the argument for Burks. 
Wyatt, if I knew I could trust the person, would probably be my pick because I think the Bucks develop defensive linemen well. I think they yeah. develop talent well up front. He is clearly immensely talented. They have a great culture. I think he would fit in well there in their culture. So if I knew that, none of that stuff was going to be a concern. Mm -hmm. To me, premium upside, premium position, opportunity to play on a defensive line with other really good players, yeah. I think he would be the one I would probably swing the best way. Well, you know, John, I'm a defensive guy, right? I'm a defensive line guy. So mm -hmm. naturally, you would think that Devontae Wyatt would be would be my pick. But no, it would be Traylon Burks. The man kills pigs with knives. He hunts wild boars with knives, not yeah. guns, yeah. not crossbows, I mean, yeah. not bow and arrow, knives. Give Look, me I'm not going to be disappointed by any of these, and I definitely won't be disappointed by Traylon Burks. And that story is wild. I know you and Matt covered it last yeah. week, but that story was <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing, too, is, I, I, you know, again, part of my draft process is, is I watch a lot of interviews on YouTube with these players. Mm -hmm. Whether it's after games, you know, uh, during the week, uh, leading up to a game, I watched Traylon Burks's post pro day workout um, interview with with the press, and mm -hmm. this guy screams Chris Godwin to me. Just just his mm -hmm. demeanor, the way he carries himself, yeah, uh, he's so team first. Like, say what you yeah. want about about him as a player. I think if you threw Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You know, in some sort of like wide receiver making machine, you would get Traylon Burks. He's kind of in between those guys. He's got the thickness of Chris Godwin, the toughness going across the middle. Uh, Mike's size, not as tall, 6'3", as opposed to 6'5". But this guy is like a blend of those two guys. But, man, personality-wise, watching those interviews, and I've seen a couple now, this guy just screams Buccaneer character, Chris Godwin. So Traylon Burks is my guy. Right. He's, yeah, he's, unique. he's rare. It, yeah, decent. I mean, honestly, it would be awesome to have four wide receivers like that. You would just go into the season so confident that the pieces yeah. you needed offensively were there, especially if Gronk is back. Like, yeah. Or even if he isn't, you could fill in mm -hmm. the tight end with veterans that are available and, right. and just get by at that position because you have options. Vortex asks, basically, do you think Traylon Burks could be used in a Mike Gusecki type role, which is to say as a wide receiver, which yes, I think Traylon will be used as a wide receiver because Gusecki yeah. doesn't really do anything blind. Um, right. And that's why they find a way to make that work. But basically I think what Vortex is kind of getting at here, do we, do we see them being able to run things out of essentially out of 10 personnel and, and, and just keep it that way, you know, basically have a running back back there and run the ball out of 10 and be very unique in that way. And it's possible, you know, I don't rule out any trends, you know, being yeah. created year to year, you know, I think that there's some things that are very possible. And obviously Bucks with, with Burks and Godwin would have some personnel to right. be able to do some things like that. Gage is a good blocker as well. I mean, it's going to be small, though. It's not going to start and become a major part of the offense. You're not going to not run mm -hmm. 12 personnel if you're the Bucks because you have Traylon Burks on your team. Will you run it a little bit less? Yeah, you'll run it a little bit less, but you're still going to run 12 personnel. So it's possible, but it doesn't mean that you wouldn't still be able to go out, got to go out and get another tight end still. But Correct. I mean, just imagine Scott. I mean, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Russell Gage, Traylon Burks, oh you know, yeah. Chris Godwin, like all these guys right. healthy together on an mm -hmm. offense. Obviously, it'd be a nightmare for other teams, especially if Burks can acclimate quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that. I know people will say there will be fans that say it's too much. Don't mm -hmm. need, don't need it. It's a luxury. And didn't have Antonio Brown, didn't have Chris Godwin, yeah. didn't have Brashad Perriman, didn't have Cyril Grayson. In the playoffs. And, and at some point, you just, you know, it's not like they prepared poorly last year. They prepared well. Like they had a good wide right. receiver room. Like I'm not criticizing them for how they went into last year. They got hit with an absurd amount of injuries. Correct. And a guy who had shown a lot of promise the year before and Tyler Johnson just absolutely didn't show up for the season. Right. So, I, I mean, maybe you put it a little bit on coaching, right. but I mean, they have, they were they had three of the best wide receivers in the league. A lot of people Scotty would have said Miller, was the best wide receiver room in the league. Yeah. Like, Scotty Miller got hurt and he was not the same player. Jalen Darden was not. The, the player they thought or hoped he would be as a fourth round pick. Perryman was out twice in like the seven weeks he was with the team. Like, yeah, it's just hard to overcome. They just got crushed. They got crushed and it happens. Yep. But, you know, you want to have even better talent this year. Obviously, you know, you're going all in kind of, but Burks is also a long term, you know, fit. And it would be right. cr most crazy because none of those dudes would be on expiring. So you would have right. everybody would be mm -hmm. back again for the next season. Right. And, uh, and, and the, the thing so, too is, crazy. and I, I'm not kicking Mike Evans out the door by any means. I love Mike. He's one of my all-time favorite nah, he's players. He's finishing his career with the box, man. Correct. But <laughs> if you draft Traylon Burks now, right, his fifth year option 
right? Mike Evans will be 33, you know, and you oh, wonder right. how much longer. Option, yeah. Right. So I'm just saying it's like you're going to have these guys overlapping, but by the time Burks gets to his second deal, maybe maybe Mike Evans moves on, he's maybe gonna, he retires, yeah. et cetera. So there's I got that. you. Oh, sure. I thought you were going to say Mike Evans is a free agent in 20, oh, gosh, no. 24, but I was like, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he's going to retire. Later after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going back. Uh, yep. Let's get a couple more questions here because we had a couple good ones and then we'll tackle the rest of this. Yep. We'll keep moving through the seventh rounder. Um, Maybe we'll save our running back evaluations for another for Wednesday or something like that, sure. or for another day on the show. Um, some people are uh, regretting the Aurelius Ben pick. I see. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we're getting questions about Jack Barrett's trade value here. That's like one of the most important pieces of the team. Yeah, I think, no right doubt. Um, especially with you just need a you need a sure thing, a, a veteran there. Right. I think a pass rusher for sure. You I mentioned boy. I want to see him on the right side. That's all. I just want to see him yeah, on the right. Could side happen. I don't know what yeah. you know. JTS played both sides of golf, and you know, yep. we obviously played both sides and then inside last year. So it is. Mm-hmm. We're not totally sure what the how that's going to shake out this year, but that could be a, an option for sure. Um, let's keep talking about this seven round mock draft. Yep. Um, in the second round, who'd second you round. have? Second round, we have uh, we address the tight end position again. If you look at the at the number of bodies they need as, as it stands right now, we think that Rob Gronkowski is coming back. If we think that that uh, Indomitian Sue and possibly Steve McClendon might be back. Okay, but as it stands right now, John, this team has uh, Nacho, and they've got Vita Vea at defensive tackle, right, and, and Benning Potawahi and some other guys. But but I mean that's pretty much it at the tight end position. Kind of the same way, John Cam Brait. It's going to be 31 in July, and you've got Cody McElroy. Those are your tight ends on the roster right now. So they, mm. they've got to do something at the tight end position from, from a body standpoint that we expect Rob Gronkowski to come back. Sure, that's fine. He's going to come back for one year. Brait will end up playing probably a final year in Tampa this year. Then you have nobody at the tight end position hitting into 2023. So this is where it kind of makes sense to, to look at, at the tight ends Rounds two through four. Not sure if if Trey McBride is going to be there at number sixty. I think there's a chance he could. Yeah, John, you and yeah, you and I could. were talking. You and I were talking about the tight ends, and I think you and I are in agreement about this. When you look at the at the tight end class, there's there's not that one stud tight end, right? There's there's a lot of guys that would be really good number twos in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of guys. Trey McBride is is a player that. Is not huge. He's 6'4, weighed 246 at the combine, 245 at his pro day. Probably will get up to 250, 255. He's a scrappy, effective blocker. He's not a dominator at the line of scrimmage, but he is he does it well enough to where he could be considered a complete tight end. But he's a receiver. 91 catches last year for over a thousand yards, only had one touchdown. But when you go back and you watch the tape, he got tackled at the, at the one or two yard line like four or five times. Yeah. Uh, after a twenty or thirty yard catch, so it was just like kind of luck of the draw there. But this guy, he's reminds me a lot of Jay Novacek from from the Dallas Cowboys mm. back in the day. Yeah. Just a, kind of a, a, yeah, just kind of, a, of an old school type player, team first guy. Seems like he'd be a good Bucks fit. John, the Buccaneers have brought him in for a top thirty visit. They had a formal interview that that you and Matt Matera, PewterReport.com, broke that news at the combine when asked which teams were showing the most interest in McBride at his own pro day in Colorado state, he mentioned the Buccaneers as one of those three teams. He's a tricky player because he makes a lot of contested catches on tape, but he's not that big. He's not that long. And he right. didn't jump that high. Like yep. it's going to be hard for him to yep. continue to catch 91 balls without being able to become a better route runner and create more separation right now. It just doesn't really happen for him. He's not really an explosive player, kind of explosive off the line of scrimmage, but not really explosive at the top of his routes. I don't think he's going to separate super well. Um, if, you know, if he has the beat zone coverage, and I think there's things he can do. Like It's not like he can't be productive. He could be a lower-end starter um, type of tight end, I think. Um, you know, So where do you value that? Is For me, it's probably somewhere in round three. Um, will he get to the Bucks? Late third round pick, probably not. So if they want him, they got to probably take him with that late second um, if he's there still. But I've said this to you, Scott. I just – you look at the tight end class and you if you fall in love with one of these dudes, I think you're lying to yourself. I just really do. I don't think that there's anybody worth falling in love with, especially at this position. This position 
if you have an elite guy like a Kittle or a Kelsey or a Waller or a Gronk, you know, if you have one of those guys, then yeah, it impacts winning. But guess what? If you don't, like it doesn't, it doesn't impact winning to that degree. So to fall in love with somebody who is just going to be another body, another a guy in the NFL in do that and do that in the first or second round, that is where you want to stay away from as a drafting philosophy. You want to make sure you are not trying to fill a need or grab the best player available on the board in a certain class at a certain position. If the fifth best player is only incrementally worse than them. And in my estimation, that's what it is. I think there just is not enough difference in this tight end class for me to feel passionately about that being um, a pick that the Bucks should prioritize, I think. And you're, you're muted, but I'm, I'm unmuting you here. I'm trying to unmute you, but you're muted right now. I can't unmute. I think only you there have you the go. power to unmute. There you I go. Have the, okay. I have the power. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I use the power myself. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said, John. I, I believe that that whether it's it's Trey McBride, Kate Otten from Washington, Jeremy Ruckert, um, Jake Ferguson, um, Jelani Woods. I, I think there's uh, Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State. I, th- I think there's a group of guys that are all kind of the same in terms of ability. They have different traits about them. Some are taller, longer, faster, a touch better at this, a touch better at that. But I, I think it's all kind of one big conglomerate group. Now, the benefit of that is, is there's, a, there's a lot of tight ends. It's actually a pretty deep draft of tight ends in terms of, of quality players. But it's more of that tight end two, tight end three type rather than tight end one. Like you said, you're not going to get a Travis Kelsey. You're not going to get a Rob Gronkowski who was, was not a first round pick for, out of Arizona back in the day. Uh, but, but the Buccaneers need a tight end. So we have him grab uh, Colorado States, uh, Trey McBride, uh, another player to keep an eye on though. We, you mentioned uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, yeah. He he's, he's a very interesting prospect because this guy has got some size uh, we had him, I believe, in, in our second mock draft, Peter Reports, mm-hmm. second mock draft. He has since risen big time up, up draft boards. He had a very good uh, combine, had a great East-West Shrine game, really one-year production, played at, at Oklahoma State before transferring to Virginia. But this guy, 6'7", yeah. he is just um, a great bad body. Yeah, down the middle. Four six one forty, Scott, 34 yeah. and a half inch arms, like 82 yeah. inch wingspan. I mean, dwarfs the other tight ends in this class Just in terms of his size and ability. Now, it is somewhat raw, but honestly, there are moments of explosiveness even as a route runner with him on tape. He needs some work as a blocker, to be honest. Like, but he's yes. he's blocked for plenty of time. That's what he did at Oklahoma State. It's not like he doesn't know what to do. Right. There's some form things that 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 need work, and he puts in tens of effort. There are there are moments of good blocking for him on tape. It's not at the level I think where it is with McBride and some of these other guys right, right. now. But the potential is is much greater because he's so big yeah. and so strong. He is the kind of player that you would roll the dice on if you're if oh, you were saying okay, I, yeah, because, right because there's actually upside there. Whereas like it's hard to imagine McBride becoming one of the best tight ends in the NFL and right. being a guy that influences winning to that degree especially yeah. as a receiver. Like I just think that there are limitations there with woods. Yeah. If you could get them and obviously it's, it's still a risk, but if you could get every, all the kicks ironed out with him and all of that right. stuff, I mean, you could be talking about a player that, that it influences winning a little bit more in terms of creating explosive plays, because that's Agreed. what he did this past year. It's crazy. He didn't get to do it Oklahoma state at all. And then he goes to Virginia and he's able to make some plays down the field. There are clearly good traits, there, but again, drops way too many passes. Yep. There's still a lot of Ron. He's a work in progress. Player. For He's sure. a work in progress. I would not want to really take him and roll and make that risk until the end of the third round. If he's there at the end of the third round, Scott, I yep. would love this pick. You and I talked today. We really yes. feel like one of three tight ends are a buccaneer by the end of the first two days of the draft. Trey McBride, Kate Otten, or Jelani Woods. We think those yep. are the three. We know the team has interest in all of them. We know the team has pursued all of them to some degree. They're pursued conversations with all of them, had interviews with them, all of that good stuff. We just don't know who they like the most out of those guys. But, you know, we threw Jeremy Ruckert's name in there, Daniel Bellinger's name in there. I think the team there's some interest in those guys. But if I'm guessing what the Bucs board looks like, I think Otten, McBride, and Woods are at the top of that board in some way. I agree. Totally agree. I see it the same way. So we'll we'll see if they do pick a tight end. But John and I are in agreement for sure, whether it's second round, third round, 
they'll probably get one there. Again, they need the bodies. They, they've only yeah. got Cam Braid, Cody McElroy, really. So uh, going to our third round pick, boy, this, this was a, a player that, that the more tape I watched of him, the more I really liked him. Uh, Nebraska cornerback Cam Taylor-Britt. This is a fun player to watch because he plays with energy and he is a physical kind of knock you out type corner. And that was one of the most disappointing things when I was doing cornerback draft study. And I, I really wanted to like Kyer Elam from Florida. And he's physical against the pass, John, mm. when it's when it comes to yeah, covering press receivers, press coverage, making plays in the ball. He he does that. But but Elam is a bystander in the run game just wants no part of tackling. And it was so disappointing. This guy is the exact opposite. He has some ball skills. He's played slot corner. He's played even some safety. He, he played most of his snaps this past year and, and the year prior at outside cornerback. But uh, he has got the ball skills. He's very fast, ran, I believe, a, a, a sub 4-4, 4 somewhere in that range at the Combine. And uh, you look at this guy, you watch enough tape, and you're like, he is a buccaneer corner. He's under six feet tall, so he doesn't have that prototype Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, six foot one size that Todd Bowles likes on the outside. But his arms are just as long as Carlton Davis's. And sometimes when you when you're measuring a player's height, you have what's called non-functional height, right? Like for example, Mike Lennon was six foot six. His neck was like six inches long, so. Mike but it Lennon wasn't was really, functional. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you can see over the over the I you guess. know the Maybe up in the line him, there. Yeah. Maybe it was, but but you know what I'm saying is sometimes that extra inch or so uh, in in a person's height, if it's neck, it, it doesn't matter as much as it does arm length, right? Uh, we were talking today, John, looking at some of the other cornerbacks that they brought in, and you know the the, the kid from Auburn, um, you know he's he's got. He's what five eleven. He's actually a little bit taller than, than Cam Taylor Britt, mm-hmm. but he's got the shortest arms of any of the cornerbacks in the draft in the league. In the league, yes, yeah, <laughs> zero so, percentile, right? So yeah. th- that's that's just one of those instances where where uh, uh, trust me, Jason Light was shell shocked last year. He, John Spitek, Mike Greenberg, <laughs> having to you know spin the wheel of fortune and find another cornerback on the street, right? They, they brought in so many cornerbacks. D. Delaney had two starts, right? Pierre mm-hmm. Desaire had two starts. Not ideal. Um, you had uh, uh, Richard Sherman that was brought in, had a couple of starts. Uh, Ross Cockrell saw more yeah. action than the team wanted. Right. The Buccaneers were scarred by that last year. They're going to come out of this draft somewhere with a cornerback. Mm-hmm. They, they need another one. I know they, they signed Logan Ryan, but you have Logan Ryan, Sean Murphy Bunting, who the team is – not that high on, and Jamel Dean, those three guys are in a contract here. You re-sign Carlton Davis, that's great. But, John, they got to look ahead to the future here. They need another young cornerback in the hopper. And even if this guy doesn't play anything more than special teams this year, he's there for depth in case something catastrophic happens at the position like it did last year. And it's funny because we didn't even have – I mean, you didn't have corner until the third round, but we could see it being a defensive back – heavy draft in some ways like it just because if if they do decide to say you know what there's no players here we can't trade down we're going to take the guys that we think are going to be the best players in year two and year three because right. we don't need anybody to help us right now but john murphy bunting's in a contract year ross cockrell's in a contract year um john jamal dean's in a contract year mike edwards in a contract year yeah. keanu neal logan ryan that's half i mean pretty much the whole secondary other than carlton davis and antoine yeah. winfield are in contract years you need some long-term solutions. And obviously um, some of those players will be back, I'm sure. Right. But you need some long-term solutions at corner and at safety. And right now there's not a lot of those on the Bucks roster so that we know of at least right now. So that could be very well their first two picks in this draft could be defensive right. backs. It, they haven't really gone – I mean, they haven't brought in a, a – really made a move for a corner. We heard there was reports they looked into Patrick Peterson. Mm-hmm. There weren't really – haven't been really reports about any other veteran corners. I mean, they obviously brought in Ross Cockrell, then in-season Richard Sherman. But Sherman was – Cockrell was kind of a desk. We need a veteran in this room. We have no fourth corner. And he was, you know, out of the league, honestly, at that point. Right. Nobody had signed him all offseason. Sherman was kind of a, okay, you know, we, you know we're – in the injury situation, you know, and it was in season, but in the off season, right. they really have not pursued adding like very aggressively, at least 
adding veteran corners to this room. They believe that the draft in in those kind of contracts are the way to build a secondary. Mm -hmm. That's clear. They want a Super Bowl with all players on rookie contracts, and they think that that's the answer moving forward. So I wouldn't be surprised, Scott, if it's a first, a second. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's two defensive backs picks in in a tight end, maybe, in the first three picks if they feel like they've got Sue back, and that's how they want to build it. Yeah, and and uh, you know, uh, long lost laser brings up the name Zion McCollum. He was actually in our our last mock draft version three point at a Sam Houston State. I like him. He's he's a tall, long corner. Really fits more that ideal outside mold. But John, it's interesting, right? Because we we feel like Jamel Dean, if he can stay on the field, he turned a corner last year, did he not? He mm-hmm. his play improved, and you've re-signed Carlton Davis. So you're probably due to salary cap, you're not going to be able to re-sign. Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean. So, John, it's interesting, right? That the cornerbacks that they've brought in and they've had some interest in are the guys that are that are more suited to play slot. You don't want like a six foot two cornerback yeah. in the slot going up against a younger, quicker guy that has got more agility, right? Against some long legged cornerback that's probably better suited for the outside. So, Roger McCreary, right? Cam Taylor Britt, those are players that even though their profile, their their production in college was mm-hmm. that of an outside, their traits are more of a player that would that has the at least the, the position flexibility to play on the inside. Yeah. And early in his career, Cam Taylor Britt played there some. I don't believe McCreary yeah. basically has not played there at all. He is Correct. such an odd fit for the Bucs because yes, there's I don't the get Auburn it. thing, but there's the fact that he has <laughs> not played in the slot. He would have the shortest <laughs> arms of any corner in the league, which is totally yeah. against the physical profile they've yep. drafted against. He didn't really test very well either. And he right. comes from a completely man coverage heavy team. I think I said this earlier in the mm-hmm. pod a few months ago, but he told Trevor Sikama at the at the um at the senior bowl that this was his first time playing in zone coverage and it was completely right. new to him and it was gonna he was gonna have a bad week because of it but hopefully it was gonna help him get better <laughs> long term uh was what he said it was right. really funny obviously there's one-on-one so he's still got yep. plenty of man coverage reps to show off there but it would be a transition for him now dean had yep. some of that you know dean coming from auburn and I, it, the system was a little bit different he played a little bit of zone but it was mostly right. man coverage for dean and he right. has talked about how that transition was really hard for him and essentially it's taken several years for him to get to where he needs to be as a corner. So that could very well be the transition we're thinking about for somebody like McCreary. The Bucks have shown interest. That's right. Other than the Auburn thing, it is hard for us to see how this fits anything else they've done. So I'm going to believe it when I see yep. it with that one. John, speaking of projections, right, we all need help when it comes to projecting the future, especially in this, this topsy-turvy financial market. Well, you know what? The folks at Immuni Financial can help you out. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. John, we got to get to Colorado, right? Got to get out there and draft mm. maybe Trey McBride, you know, out of Colorado State. Oh, I see what you did there. Well, listen, managing your family's wealth means more to Immuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts for your kids, and insurance services. There's a lot going on in the world right now. Let the folks at Immuni Financial, they're the experts, guide you in how to avoid some of the financial pitfalls and to help you plan ahead and stay ahead. 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area. They will service accounts all over the country. Give them Uni Financial a call, just like I did, 1-800-868-6864, or visit them on the web at immuni.com. Are we moving to round four here, Scott? What's on the yep. radar round four in the seven-round mock draft? Running backs. And, mm. uh, you know, we, we should note that that the Buccaneers had a, a day three type running back in. They've talked to, to Isaiah Spiller now mm-hmm. from Texas a and That's one of the reasons why right there the guy can catch the ball as well as as run. Um Spiller is is a is a really interesting player. You and I both you think he's going day three. Is that is that what you were saying there? No, were you, no, no, no. Were you just, implying that Pierre Strong kind of lead, leading into okay. the running back position here? And yes, Pierre okay. Strong. That's you said the guy. day three, and I wasn't sure if you were getting to Pierre Strong or if you meant that about Spiller. I was curious. I think I think Spiller is day two. I think he I is a too. third round pick, um, maybe late second, but uh, but Pierre Strong is is a third day pick. Had really good showing at East West Shrine game. Didn't get much playing time, but the scouting reports 
from there were were very favorable in terms of how he practiced. Big time producer at San Diego State. He's kind of a long-legged guy. <laughs> Reminds me a little bit of Frank Murphy coming out of Kansas State. I've been trying to think who's who's hmm. this guy. I don't remember him. Yeah, yeah. He's didn't have a much of a, of a pro career, but he's okay. just a long-legged runner. He's got kind of a weird, funky running style, but he's very effective. Can catch the ball, had a 65-yard catch and run on a screen pass at the East West Shrine game. Bucks uh, have talked to him, and and that's somebody yes. on, the, on the radar. Yeah, Zoom conversation with him per Justin Mello yep. of the Draft Network story up on it uh, at Peter Report right now. Um, but uh, Zoom conversation with him that already happened, and it was uh, led by Todd McNair. So to, yep. to standard due diligence, I think, more mm-hmm. than anything. But watched him anyway uh, to have a feel for him. Wasn't crazy about him. Outside zone scheme runner, that yep. not really the Bucks thing. Great speed when he gets the lane, but he needs the lane, and he, and he got a lot of lanes mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in, in the FCS competition. He led – the FCS in uh, rushing this past year, five fumbles last year, definitely something to note and is definitely a concern. Yep. Um, he is not very laterally elusive or not much of a tackle breaker either, but he is fast and he will get your pursuit angles off if he gets a little bit of a runway. That's typically not how it works in the NFL, though. You need to create a little bit more for yourself yeah. in the NFL. And so I, there are a lot yeah. of running backs I'd prefer. I like this running back class. I've just I do kind too. Of gotten into it heavy the last couple of days. I really like it. There's probably five or six guys I'd love to yep. see on the Bucks. Well, this, this is one is of those the guys. Guy. This is yeah, the guy you had in the mock. The guy we picked in the mock. Um, I, I've come around, folks. I know I, nice. I caught some flack earlier, but Damian Pierce, I've watched enough of him. I can see the Bucks fit. He's not a blazer, but this is a tackle breaker. He he reminds me he reminds me of a faster, better version of Peyton Barber, and I, I know that that might make fans you know <laughs> you just have heartburn or alienated. throw up. No one yeah. wants this pick now. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, but what I'm saying he did he, say a better version. He though. is. He's a much better version. And what I mean by that is is he's thick. He's a compactly built player, built like a bowling ball, uh, tough as nails. But he's he's more explosive. Um, he He's he's got this a very similar jump cut. He's a jump cut runner because he's so he's so big with with his lower body. He doesn't have a lot of of wiggle, but he's got a good kind of dead leg jump cut that will mm-hmm. make people miss. And then the guys that don't miss John, they just bounce off of him because this guy is a physical punishing runner. And I think when you're looking at the Buccaneers now, they've re-signed uh, Leonard Fournette, he's the starter, obviously. They brought back Giovanni Bernard. He's more that pass-catching, change-of-pace, third-down kind of guy. Keyshawn Vaughn, still not sure what Keyshawn Vaughn is. I think he's kind of in between both of those. But, but it feels like the Bucks like him enough that they'll give him a chance. And he was yes. he finished last year on a high enough note, not a high note, but a high enough note that right. I would imagine it's not like like Tyler Johnson, for example, where it's like, okay, Correct. year two, we got to question whether he's even part of our roster. I would imagine they see Vaughn as contributing this year, which makes yeah. running back very tricky to analyze yeah. for the Bucs. Like, do they even draft one at all yeah. now? I'm really not sure that they do. Yeah. I, I thought that they I wouldn't would. be surprised if they if they let this because because they've got their, their top three running backs now, right? I wouldn't be surprised if in our final mock draft, if you saw, because we put some names out there, Tyler Ajir from BYU, mm-hmm. Damian Pierce now. Um, I think we have maybe Rashad White was in our first one from Arizona State. They like those those running backs. But I wouldn't be surprised in our, our final mock if we don't forego the running back position until the seventh round. And, and yep. then you can get a player that that is um, – Special teams. Special teams guy. Max Borgie. Max Borgie. Yes, exactly. That's, that's kind of <laughs> – who we're, we're thinking about. Uh, he's, he's one of our favorites. He's, he's like the Christian McCaffrey light, you know, he's, he's the light version of Christian. <laughs> because McCaffrey. they're the only two white running backs in the league. <laughs> yeah. They, with, a, with only 95 calories, you can get Max Borgie for a hell of a lot less than you can. Uh, and it's less filling too. Yeah. So yeah, that might be the guy in the seventh round. It, plus he catches a ton of passes. I think he yeah. had 80, 82 receptions first or second year at Washington state, something absurd like that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. But we, we like the Pierce pick. Why? Because he's a top pass protector, really showed well at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's a Buccaneer character guy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he just fits what the Buccaneers were all about. Yeah. And, he's, and I, I think he's is, uh, he's, he, very he's one of those easy fit. Yeah, yeah very easy fit. You could see it. Pass protects right now. Um, you know, can, can improve and he can do more of it, honestly. A lot yeah. of these college backs just didn't do it enough. It's actually probably one of the best pass protecting running back classes mm-hmm. 
I've ever seen doesn't, I mean, the bar is low for college bunny backs in that <laughs> right. regard, but there's some guys who really do it on tape. I mean, Isaiah Spiller, yeah. uh, you know, Brees Hall, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Those guys will do it, but Tyler Algier might be the best at that in this class. Mm-hmm. So there's He's a really good number yeah. of guys that fit the box. We're going to talk about them on another show. I'm sorry. I deceive people and put it on this one. Yep. I didn't know how long we would go for this, but we're going to talk about our running back evaluations on another show later this yep. week, for sure, because I want to get more in depth with some of these guys and answer some sure. of your questions about them too. But yeah. And then just to round out the, the, the picks here, we'll talk about these guys briefly. Then we'll, we'll round out with some questions. Seventh round, you're just looking for traits, right? And, and uh, to Carius or sorry, Tarikus Tisdale from Ole Miss. This is a, a player that the last two years kind of marred with injury, but this guy is a physical specimen. He looks like Will Golston, um, but a much faster version. Ran a four six three, okay, and he's six five two hundred eighty five pounds. So th- the team has not re-signed Pat mm-hmm. O'Connor yet. Will Golston at age thirty is in the final year of his deal. This would be a special teams contributor with that size and speed. You put him on the field goal block unit. You have him run down there cover kickoffs, and you develop him behind the scenes. But this is a big-bodied traits guy that didn't have the production. I think he had like three sacks in three years at Ole Miss. But good against the run. You, you just kind of take a seventh-round flyer on him because of the traits, and you hope he can develop. So that's absolutely that's- wild traits. I mean, 35 oh, yeah. and a quarter arms and an 83 inch yeah. wingspan. Pretty crazy. We're yeah. going to wrap up here, but I do want to mention real quick, Kenneth Walker, easily the best running back. No one is talking about him. Yep. I do agree that he's not getting much talk about, and he is very good. Reason we aren't talking about him is Kenneth Walker is easily the least experienced receiver of the top backs in this class and pass protector. He's basically a Pretty much an unknown in that area, I would say, outside of screens. catches last year? Yeah. I mean, he, he, I like him. But yeah, he could be a great receiver in the NFL. I just yeah. – I don't know that. And I know it about the other guys. So, for the Bucks, I just can't see him being above a lot of the other names right. we talk about more. Yep. Last pick is Dane Belton, who is a Tampa kid from Jesuit High School. Went on that local visit. And five interceptions last year at the safety position for Iowa. Didn't really play – Free safety so much, it's it's that star position. It's that star safety spot that the Hawkeyes play in their nickel defense. So he can do it all. He can he can blitz the quarterback. Is he going to be there? I mean, I don't know. I just looked six um, six foot, 205, 443, 40, jump 36 and a half, good broad, good probably a, agility. Probably a sixth round pick. But yeah, I, had I was wondering, so. yeah, I was wondering, it, maybe this is a um, a situation where he's a player that they do target, but maybe it's like if they trade back from another slot and they add right. a sixth, yeah, or or be, it, it could be a situation they take both their sevens, package them, move up, and get and get him in the sixth, right? Could so, be, could yeah, be some but, things like that. Yeah. But this is a local player. The Bucks had him in for a visit. I think there's some interest there. He does fit. A, he does check a lot of the, the boxes. He's a versatile player. Can play the run very well. Rush the quarterback. Five picks last year. Yeah, five interceptions. Runs a four four forty. Yeah, hmm. I'm gonna so, have to watch him. Yeah, and, and the thing too is this, you know, Iowa. You got the connection there with with uh, Tristan Wirfs. John, I've always wanted to ask you, and and as, as I'm cropping these pictures today, I mean, I'm thinking that's that's the friggin' Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Do you ever get pissed off as as a Steelers guy no. that 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 <laughs> Iowa has the same uniform? Pretty much. I no, it doesn't bother me to be honest with you. Okay. I, I've never thought. In fact, when Desmond King was there, everybody in Pittsburgh wanted him because they said he wouldn't have to really switch uniform color. And for at first, that looked like it would have been a great pick because he was an All Pro, I think, like right. his second year. But then his career went downhow quickly. But yeah, I, I think overall that that uh, it's easy to see the transition with some of those players for yeah. Steeler fans. I think. John, speaking of great picks, we got a great pick for you. That's that's our friends over at my bookie, of course. Listen, baseball season is here, right? And it's the season's kicked off. My bookie's your one-stop shop for all sports, right? We've talked about college football, talked about the NFL, of course, NBA, hockey. Now it's baseball season, right? With up to minute, up to the minute odds and all your favorite leagues, there's never been a better time to start playing with my bookie. And with my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they're going to pay you. Whether you're a diehard or casual fan, simply put. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with MyBookie. Sign up today at MyBookie. Use the promo code Pewter to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000. It's that simple. Deposit $200 and play with $300 instantly. Just use the promo code Pewter to claim your bonus. Mobile or on the go, 
golf. The Masters just finished up. There's more golf events coming mm-hmm. up. UFC, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, my bookie puts the action in your hands with their app so you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Absolutely. Great stuff for my bookie and great stuff on the pod. We appreciate y'all. Make sure you hit the like button. Give us a yes. thumbs up on your way out. Helps boost our YouTube algorithm. Helps get us to more people. We hit 8,000 subscribers. That was freaking awesome. Thanks to you. On yes. our way to 9,000 now. You know, as Belichick say, we're on to 9,000. We're, we're on the 9,000, well. John. So yep. make sure you subscribe. Hit the like button. Uh, let's get ourselves as close to 9,000 as we can by the draft. And the big draft show is coming up. Obviously, we'll be live all three days of the draft. Very, very excited about that and excited mm-hmm. for y'all to be joining. So subscribe, hit the bell to get the notifications when we go live, and we'll see you all tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.